Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, fresh off a dramatic 28-23 Green Bay Packers victory in the NFC Divisional Playoff over the Seattle Seahawks. Wes, there are any number of angles we could go about analyzing and discussing this game, but I'm just going to start right here. When the, it was 21-3 at halftime, when it was 28-10 to 10 in the middle of the third quarter, you still just knew it was going to come down to the end, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you just you knew it, and that's exactly how it played out. So I thought this game on so many levels illustrated just the absolute brilliance of both Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Yeah. I, I said that all week long last week, uh, starting with Russell Wilson. A phenomenal performance by him. I know it wasn't picture perfect, but as I said to you from the beginning, Mike, with him, he can win, for a lack of a better term here, term here dirty. <laughs> uh, not in the, that sense, but in terms of, like, he can do it ugly. And I, Seattle said they wanted to run the ball with Marshawn Lynch. I somewhat felt all along that that was an ill-advised plot. They did it. They, they did tr- not have they success tried. with it. They tried. So they went back to their bread and butter, which is asking Russell Wilson to just do superhuman things. Evening at the Improv at Lambeau yeah. Field. I mean, it was just it, he was just making it up as he went along, and, which is what he's done all season to get the Seahawks uh, as far as they got. Yeah, and being able to open up some big plays there for Seattle. Uh, he's the type of quarterback. He's what you need to win in this league. The game is never too far out of reach for him to come back and mount a big rally. Aaron Rodgers. I've been saying... For so long now, Mike, because people always think, and it's just all because I work for the team now and I'm Packers.com. Since the very beginning, people want to paint this thing of, is Rodgers past his prime? Is he he past it or whatever? If you consistently beat that drum, you end up looking like a fool. Yep. Because the one thing I think a lot of people don't realize is in addition to Aaron Rodgers being a, a generational talent, and making countless amounts of throws in this game that a very few number of humans on this planet can actually do. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers still has that greatness in him in the most clutch situations. I said all last week I was expecting the best version of him, and that's what you saw in this. They got the 23-yard gain from Aaron Jones early, but otherwise they couldn't really run the ball the way I thought that they might be able to against Seattle's front. It was, it was a struggle, no doubt. So it had to be on Aaron Rodgers. It had to be on Devontae Adams. And Rodgers played, I, I felt like, a fantastic football game. And the, the third down completions, 9 of four town, nine of 14 on third down, three huge third down conversions by Jimmy Graham. And Devontae Adams has just an iconic performance, eight receptions for 160 yards and two touchdowns. The other thing, too, about that, I mean, Mike, how many of those catches were just, like, got to have them grabs that were fully contested? Yeah, He ran that 40-yard, uh, we were talking about that post-corner route, just a magnificent route adjustment, gets in for the 40-yard touchdown. But then to make that 32-yard catch kind of over his shoulder with just a little bit of separation off a fade route that they put together at the line of scrimmage, it speaks to his greatness, and it obviously is another testament to Aaron Rodgers and what has been just an incredible Hall of Fame career. Well, you you can say so much about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams from this game. Just to start with the play at the end, the 32-yard completion on third and eight when the Packers are on their own 22-yard line there with just over two minutes to go. Rodgers actually said after the game, 
Adams didn't just adjust the route. He was better than the check. Yeah. Like the check that's in the playbook, Adams actually did a different check and it was better and Rodgers was on the same page with Adams and the throw was absolutely perfect. And that was one of many throws as you were just talking about that I I mean, I don't know how many times did I lean over to you in the press box and say, "Wow, what a throw." Yeah. I mean, it, Five it was or six. F- at least, yeah. right? I mean, whether you're talking about the third down pass to Jimmy Graham in the third quarter right before the 40-yard touchdown to Devontae Adams, the third and 10 pass over the middle, the sidearm one to Geronimo Allison that kept one drive alive there briefly in the fourth quarter. I just mentioned the one to Adams. The one to Graham at the end of the game where he has to stand in the pocket. He's got to hold it as long as he can to give Graham a chance to break free coming on the crossing route. He takes a shot but puts the ball right on the money. And that's just that's only the start of the list of the throws that Rodgers made in this game. I thought it was an absolutely tour de force performance by one of the best, by one of the best ever. And statistically, I looked it up, I wrote about it, the 113.7 passer rating, that's only his sixth highest postseason passer rating for a single game. But when you look at those handful of five or six throws that were absolutely pinpoint spot on in difficult spots I, I i thought it was just it was masterful work by him yeah and it's the reason why i will continue to say i mean it's just a garbage argument when people put out this below average or average whatever you want to label him as keep doing it <laughs> go ahead it's fine but the reality is is this is a human game played by real people that actually have like you know a brain and a personality and things they enjoy doing off the field instead of just playing football for 60 minutes and going back into a corner for the next seven days. And Aaron Rodgers, I think when you look at just what it requires to play this game at its highest level, I thought him and Russell Wilson just put on a clinic for what it takes to play quarterback in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, They were just the epitome of everything that is great about this sport and why I think you can't make just asinine comments about you know, this being the end of this or this being the end of that or he isn't the player he once was. It can always change. And here's the beautiful thing, Mike. It's not just Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan has up and down years. Phillip Rivers has had up and down years. Guys have up and down years because, spoiler alert, it's a pretty dang hard position to play in the NFL. Yeah. And for Rodgers to step up in that situation with the temperature being what it is, the stakes being as high as they were, Packers got off to the fast start they needed. They haven't these last few weeks. It's been really tough trying to get points on that opening drive. Seattle wins the toss, defer, and the Packers march right down. They needed to set the tone in this game, and then when they needed to get their four-minute offense going late, they were able to accomplish that again as well. Yeah, well, certainly Devontae Adams took his place in the Packers' record books here with this eight-catch, 160-yard performance. It is the most receiving yards in a single postseason game in franchise history. One more than the 159 that Jermichael Finley had in the 2009 wildcard overtime shootout against the Arizona Cardinals. But you think about it, Wes. Devontae Adams is at the top of a list that includes Max McGee from Super Bowl One, yeah. Jordy Nelson from Super Bowl Forty-Five, Antonio Freeman from Super Bowl Thirty-One. John Jefferson from the big postseason game that he had in the early 80s. I mean, Devontae Adams, 160 yards is at the top of that list. And he and there were times in the game where he absolutely looked dominant doing it. Yeah. I mean, there was the one the one drive in the first half 
where Rodgers just on different routes against different coverages, it was just bing, 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 17, 17, 17, just kept hitting them. Every time for a first down, Packers marching right down the field. A couple of the fans who were chiming in while I was live blogging kept using the word surgical, the way Rodgers and Adams were connecting and moving the ball in the first half. I thought that was a very apt description. And uh, Rodgers talked after the game about how his his connection, that that chemistry, that telepathy, whatever you want to call it with Adams, is just on another level now. And Rodgers actually brought up that it's it's getting like it was with Jordy Nelson. And that is not a comparison that he would make lightly. I mean, he's he's never said it in that way before about Adams. But in this game, that's how it felt, and that's how it looked. Because it's not just the gold standard for Rodgers in a receiver. That's the gold standard for any receiver in quarterback scenario. Oh, what yeah. him and Nelson had and being able to, to be on that second level. Ten years together. Yeah, you know. it's an incredible run. And now you see Devontae Adams now in year five of this thing, year six of this thing now, being able to, to develop that relationship now with Rodgers and, and obviously be able to have that telepathy uh, in their communication, how they deal with each other. It was interesting, too, talking to Geronimo Allison in the locker room after the game. He said, you know, all week long, you know, Devontae just had this look in his eye. Like, it was just like he was kind of in on a secret. Like, he just he knew he was <laughs> going to play well in this game. And Devontae was asked about that after Allison made those comments, and his thought was two things. One, he played really well against Seattle last year, 10 catches, 166 yards. And the last time, this is what I really enjoyed, the last time the Packers came off of a bye five years ago. In the playoffs. Also, uh, in the yeah, in the playoffs. Right. He also played really well against Dallas. Those are things that actually bolstered his confidence going into this. And he said it's because of, like anything, if I go up against a cornerback who has success, the same cornerback, the same team, the same circumstances a year later, that's going to be in the back of his mind. So he's like, I can't see how that wasn't something Seattle was thinking about. And despite you know the extra attention they gave him, he, I thought, put on just a clinic when it came to his footwork and his fundamentals and what was asked him at that receiver position. And then, oh, by the way, when you tie all that together – He's a pretty remarkable athlete too. Yeah, I mean it was that that was a uh, that was a remarkable performance and certainly the Packers want to see Adams and Rodgers on that same page again next week out in San Francisco. But uh, real quickly here Wes, Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at cousinsubs.com cousin subs. We believe in better defensive side of the ball here for the Packers uh tale of two halves clearly um the Packers were bottling up the run game bottling up Russell Wilson frustrating him you know not letting him scramble he's trying to get off some passes just as he reaches the line of scrimmage you know trying to fool the Packers into committing to run or pass on on those scrambles and Green Bay holds him to just three points in the first half one field goal one missed field goal they stood up uh, tall enough at the end of the first half to render um, uh, a Hail Mary as the only yeah. chance there at the end of the second quarter, which fell incomplete. But then in the second half, it was a totally different story. Russell Wilson was doing his Russell Wilson things, his his improv, his making it up, his incredible elusiveness. I mean, the Packers sacked him five times in this game, Wes, and it was like they could have sacked him 15. I mean, it, it really just, felt like it. There were, yeah. there were so many times. But 
this, you know, Green Bay is not the first defense that Russell Wilson has done this to. This is just the way this guy plays. He, for all the times that he does get sacked, he is he is incredibly hard to corral, and he's very difficult to bring down. And really, it came down to finally third and six, fourth quarter, right around three minutes to go. Preston Smith comes blowing around the uh, the right tackle and gets a clean shot on him and drops him. Seattle punts the ball and then doesn't get it back because the Packers get the two big third down conversions and uh you know that's that's how you close out that's how you close out the Seattle Seahawks is you make the big stop on third down and then you don't give them the one last chance yeah. that they were looking for. Yeah, I thought it was apropos when you look at just the entire defensive performance. The first half it was Zadarius Smith getting the two sacks. Kenny Clark knife through got another one. I thought Kenny had a really good start to well, that he, game. He had to chase Wilson down. It was like he had him and then he got away and then he ran him down and then got him before he got back to the line of scrimmage to get that sack. Yeah, and it's funny because it's like that's kind of what it's like when you're playing Russell Wilson. Yeah. It's like these shoestring tackles every once in a while, and you'll take them. But the second half, it shows you again why Brian Gutekunst didn't just stop with Zadarius Smith. He went and signed <laughs> Preston Smith too, yeah. Because I thought Smith, especially in that fourth quarter, was just exceptional. You know, exceptional. What, what was what was his line after the game? Defending Russell Wilson is like chasing a chicken in a field with no fence. Yeah. I think that was the. I think that I, I that. Fantastic description and uh, and absolutely spot on the way that game was unfolding. But again, it goes back to the mental toughness of that defense because the third quarter was rough. I mean, Seattle marches down the field both times, puts up 14 points, and, and now suddenly the complexion of the game changes after a very dominant first half. But they needed to not only find a stop late in the game, they needed to do that because now the game was only five points and Seattle had a chance to march down the field to pull ahead no doubt. in the waning moments of this game. And they stepped up towards that. They got a critical stop. And being able to then execute the four-minute offense, this defense, Mike, I mean, when all the chips are down, they always find a way to persevere. And I, it is. It's really interesting now that they will get an opportunity to, to see if they can get that redemption against you know Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco defense or offense. But we'll, we'll get more time for that later this week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, We've seen it time and time again, Wes, and this is what I focused my entire game recap story on that I wrote last night. This Packers team, they make the plays in the fourth quarter when they have to have them. And as you said, it was like the chips were down. Seattle seemingly had all the momentum in the world. And then you look at the sack by Preston Smith and then the two third down conversions on offense, the pass to Adams over the top and then the crosser to Jimmy Graham. When you look at it in you know the play-by-play because of the timeouts being used and the two-minute warning, those were three really, really big clutch plays that happened within like 90 seconds yeah. of game clock. And if any one of those three plays within that 90 seconds of game clock isn't going the Packers' way, if the Packers don't do what they have to in those moments, we might be talking about a different ending here. I mean, it was there were there were big time moments and as the Packers have done far more often than not this season, they came through when they had to come through. They really did. And it's funny too because like you look at this whole game, uh, you know, Jared Valdir ends up playing and, you know, having to yeah, start geez, at right. Yeah, tackle. we haven't even we haven't even talked about that yet, but wow, what a what a performance by him as well. Well, you know, they'll talk for you know, decades to come here if you're in Packer fan circles about Devontae Adams and the performance he had and Rodgers leading them past Russell Wilson getting some playoff revenge against Seattle. But then there's a guy like Jared Valdir that I think only the, like the true diehards are gonna remember this game, but 
Brian Balaga, who successfully cleared the concussion protocol earlier in the week, is so he's able to take all the first team reps at right tackle. The plan is for him to be there. Yeah. Even won the stand up guy award on Friday. Everybody's feeling really good about <laughs> this thing. And then the day of the game, that dreaded bug, that flu bug that's been circling around the locker room, it gets Brian Balaga. And Balaga, to his credit, was active for this game. They did have him up, but whatever happened, you know, in those hours in between there, and eventually we'll get a chance to talk to him, they ended up having to make a decision basically a half an hour before the start of the game that they're going to go with Jared Valdir. And outside, as he even said it, outside of maybe one rush against Jadavion Clowney where he was able to get inside of him, the guy pitched a shutout. This is a guy that was retired two months ago at this time, Yeah, a guy that had stepped away from the game, had already played in over 100 regular season contests, had started I think maybe somewhere around 119. He was done. And then here he is in a very critical late season acquisition by Brian Gutekunst playing one of the most important downs of football the Packers have seen. Yeah, well, Rodgers said after the game, actually, that he saw Balaga kind of tap himself out during warm-ups, where, you know, they during warm-ups they, they line up with the full offense, but it's kind of on air. You know, there's really no defense on the other side, and they're just they're just uh, running through certain formations and plays. And Rodgers said after one of the plays, Balaga just kind of walked off to the sideline, you know, signaled for Valdir to go in and finish up, you know, that round yeah, of warm-ups. Yeah, because we saw him in warm-ups. And, that was, and, and then that was it. Balaga basically took himself out and knew that he wasn't going to be able to go, and that's essentially when the decision was made. And, you know, what Valdir did stepping in, obviously he was huge, stepping in in the fourth quarter in Detroit for the Packers to get the first round by when Balaga got the concussion. And then he comes up big yesterday, and Rodgers was joking, you know, on the sideline with him saying, you know, isn't this amazing? You were retired like two months ago. And Valdir said, dude, I was in the stands at Soldier Field watching you guys beat the Bears in week one. I mean, his first week of football retirement, you know, he's in the crowd in Chicago watching the kickoff opener of the NFL's 100th season. And lo and behold, the team that he was watching get a victory is uh, the team that he's starting for at right tackle in the NFC Divisional Playoffs four months later. I mean, it's, it's, re it's really a pretty remarkable story you couldn't you can't make this stuff up and you know better than anybody Mike covering this team as long as you have now it is one thing to just stay in shape it is another thing to actually be in a condition <laughs> to play all you know meaningful snaps late in the season after you didn't have an off-season program or a training camp or anything like that and to play a full game too not just yeah. filling in for a quarter like right. you did in Detroit which yep. was which was solid enough but he had he had to go wire to wire against the Seattle Seahawks and a fair number of snaps against Mr. Clowney. Yeah, and just the you know, that's an important acquisition and it's funny he actually said afterwards too this this snubic virus that's going around he caught it too uh and I think David Bakhtiari was talking with Rob Domofsky about this too. He worked through it last week and Valdir said, I mean, it is it's bad. What he had was bad. And yeah. he's like, you know, he understands why Brian Balaga was in the position he was in and the fact that he would have done anything to be out there. But sometimes, man, if you get full-blown influenza, it'll get you. And there's no amount of fluids or anything that's going to get you through that. So fortunately for the Packers, again, this is, a, this is a guy that they claimed off waivers from New England at the end of November, was activated, what, December 9th or something like something that? Something like that, yeah. And here he is now having to play in three critical moments you know, in, in that first month with the team. 
Well, just quickly to recap everything else that happened on Divisional Weekend, as everyone knows, the Packers' opponent in the NFC Championship game next week will be the San Francisco 49ers, so it is the one seed versus the two seed in the NFC. The game will be at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, and obviously we'll be talking all week long about how the Packers, uh, you know, looking to avenge, obviously, what happened out there in November, which was really the low point of the season, quite frankly. In the AFC... The Tennessee Titans go into Baltimore and knock off the top-seeded Baltimore Ravens. So now the Titans, keeping their playoff run going, they will travel to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game as the Chiefs recover from a 24-0 deficit and outscore the Houston Texans 51-7 over the final three quarters of the game. So some really interesting games in the AFC But with the AFC and the 49ers, I think if you look at the four NFC playoff games that have been played so far, the two wildcard games, the two divisional games, hands down the most impressive performance, impressive victory was San Francisco over Minnesota. It was dominant. San Francisco's defense shut down Minnesota, and the Vikings could not stop San Francisco's running game. And 27-10 does not describe how dominant that victory was. Yeah, it really doesn't. And the one thing that that stood out to me is that all the year long I talked about the Vikings are just a different team when Delvin Cook is out there. Credit where credit's due. San Francisco took away Delvin Cook, and the Vikings abandoned their running game altogether. Uh, that's how good that front is. That's how good those two nose tackles are yep. for San Francisco. You and I were having a conversation with James Jones before our pep rally on Saturday. and. Yeah. Jones, great to see JJ. He made a great point when he was talking with us about what you have to do. Uh, hopefully, I'm not taking away any of his fodder for this week on NFL Network. But <laughs> when you're playing San Francisco, good luck if you're trying to move the ball up the field between the hashes. You have to get the ball outside. It doesn't matter if it's the run or pass. You have to be able to produce outside and stretch them horizontally. That I think is going to be one of the big adjustments the Packers are going to have to make this week because, you know, Minnesota was who they were. They're a north-south running team. That's where Cook's bread and butter is, but they just were not able to get the push in the lanes to open up, and if you're not able to get the run going, we've seen it so often, that destroys the play-action pass for Kirk Cousins, and it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy from there. San Francisco's a real problem. I mean, they're going to be a challenge, yeah. and the Packers are going to go there and try to reverse fortunes. I have to mention, too, Tennessee versus Kansas City. I actually can't think of any better storylines going into a conference championship in terms of both of those teams than Tennessee and KC. From KC's perspective, Andy Reid. How special would that be for him to lead another team to a Super Bowl, still chasing that Lombardi trophy? Yeah, That would be an incredible achievement. Tennessee, if they would actually make a run here, if they can find a way to turn back Kansas City at home, you have to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. All on the road. On the road to go to the Super Bowl. All on the road. That's a remarkable run. <laughs> that would that would be so something So either way, else, that storyline's going to be great. Yeah. Final four, I don't think it could possibly get any more compelling. Yeah, I mean this this is uh it's going to be it's going to be a great Sunday of football and we got all week to talk about it. We're kind of up against the clock right here, so we're going to call this one a wrap on Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team all week long on NFC Championship Week here on Packers Unscripted. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and check out all sorts of great video content on the Packers YouTube channel. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.